You don't get to celebrate your glorious history or your most iconic figure and then strike out 16 bleeping times and expect to have the dialogue not be about that. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey, which are both highly recommended compared to the caliber of baseball that was witnessed last night in New York. I also have Daily Shots of Steelers and Penguins where you found this. Mets 7, Pirates 1. At City Field, it wasn't nearly that interesting. JT Brubaker struggled early, but then was lifted. And the team would later explain that it was because of a strained lat muscle. One would presume that that'll end his season, given that we're just a couple of weeks away from the end. Really, what would be the point? But the more defining aspect of the evening, to say the least, was that the hitters went right back to being who they are under Andy Haynes once they left Cincinnati and the Reds' generous pitching staff. 16 strikeouts, 16 Ks out of the 27 outs recorded. And hey, if anyone really wants to talk about history, it was the ninth time in the franchise's 136 years that the team struck out 16 or more times while scoring one or fewer runs. So, you know, it's okay. Let's just instead, let's let's just magnify one particular inning in which the Pirates struck out three times, saw only 13 pitches, and took five of those pitches for strikes. Do I have to repeat? Okay, no, I don't. Okay, good. That that actually needs to resonate because that is the Andy Haynes one-size-fits-all approach toward ruining prospects. The organization that claims, and this comes directly from the mouth of Ben Charrington, to believe and to practice player-centric development brings these prospects into Pittsburgh so that Haynes can put a one-size-fits-all approach into what it is that they're doing at the plate. Carlos Carrasco was obviously feeling it last night. Wonderful, terrific, great human story. Happy to see him doing well. He's not Nolan Ryan. So the Pirates' mindset, and I'm not guessing at this because I've heard this from the inside, including from hitters, is to try to wear down the opposing pitcher, make him throw more pitches than he's comfortable. How about just going to the plate with a specific individualized mindset toward gasp, hitting the ball, instead of trying to unearth your inner Daniel Vogel back and work the guy for 10, 12 pitches? I don't care how long Carrasco stays in the game. I got to be honest with you. I don't care if the Pirates win the game. But I do care a lot, as the team should, that young hitters progress on their own without worrying in the slightest 
how long Carrasco stays out there. If it's four and two-thirds or seven and two-thirds, it doesn't really matter all that much. Go up there and have good at-bats. I'm going to tell you about the one guy who did right after this. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern. That's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800-degree stone, and you do the rest. It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. You know what? We're far enough into this season that I can start getting a little bit wacky. Let's have some fun. I, I think conspiratorial thoughts, like not uh, not to an extreme. I have family that does that, but it's not really my thing. But, you know, you get deeper and deeper into a season, your cynicism grows, and, and it's the Pirates. So it, it just feels natural, right? So here's Cal Mitchell, who had himself a pretty nice night at the plate, got on base three times, looked like he had some professional at-bats. And, yeah, he took some pitches, too, drew a couple of walks. But I'll be damned if he didn't look completely different than anyone else. And I'll be damned if you can't add up everything else that we've talked about related to Mitchell this week and kind of compute that this kid's made up his mind. Listen, this time when I come up from Indy and I'm hitting hot, I'm going to keep hitting hot in Pittsburgh because I'm not going to listen to anybody. I am now going to hit pause on this program and remind you that I'm completely and recklessly speculating here. But it's that time of year. That's the kind of things that I think about when I'm covering the team, when I'm watching them on the field, when I'm working the clubhouse. It's it's there in your mind. You very rarely share it with your listeners or readers, but it's, you know, does it sound crazy? No, no. Mitchell hasn't stopped hitting. He hasn't stopped having intelligent approaches. And you can't convince me in a zillion years that it isn't because he's just working within himself and not worrying about what the hitting coach is telling anybody. Regardless, let's presume that I'm 100% wrong about this and that Mitchell is a Haynes' disciple to the core, and that Haynes has got him rolling, okay? Let's take that outlook. He still has to go. This is still the worst offensive team we have ever, ever witnessed in the city of Pittsburgh. That counts all 136 years. That can't go without accountability. That can't be something where... Charrington says, as he's already done, well, he's in his first year. He hasn't had a chance to really get his hands on these guys. I hate that baseball term anyway. It takes a long time for a guy to get his program in and everything else. When I'm hearing in the room already that guys are going to the outside for hitting instruction, come on. Come on. To do what? What is it going to achieve to keep him? To do what? other than to demonstrate a stubbornness and maybe a little bit of 
What's the word I'm looking for here? Fear? Because you just fired someone else who incidentally is being paid by at least one person in the room for continued instruction? If you're more worried about whether or not you're admitting mistakes, then you're, um, well, you're... You're someone who sticks with Josh Van Meter and Yoshi Tetsugo and all those guys probably about four months longer than you should when we come back, J1Q. Today's J1Q comes from Keith. Who asks, very simply, has anyone told the Pirates they're not playing the Reds anymore? Um, you know, Keith, I get the the point that you're making, and I appreciate it, and you're 100% right. What I'm trying to do here, if it sounds like I'm stalling for an answer to the broader issues related to this team, it's this. I said yesterday after the four-game sweep in Cincinnati when there were at least some people a little bit excited, especially about the younger guys and hitting the ball and everything else, and my reaction was, listen, you always tip your cap. Four wins in a row in the majors, that's that's a real thing. A four-game sweep isn't something that's routine for even the very best of teams against the very worst of teams. Ask the Dodgers how it feels right now to be 1-5 and five against the Pirates in 2022. But herein also lies a pretty compelling example of the separation that exists, one that some people inside the industry argue is greater than ever, between AAA or even 4A, which is what the Reds and the Pirates would be, and the big leagues. And when they're bringing out Cincinnati is all these pitchers you've never heard of and everything else, the Pirates are doing the same thing. Johan bleeping Ramirez was on the mound again last night. Where did they find that guy? And you see the mistakes that those guys make, and you see that what's getting hit are almost always mistakes, like grotesque pitches. You realize what's actually happening. Now, I was taught... A long, long time ago, by a gentleman named Steve Pierce, the name that should ring a bell with a lot of you, started out with the Buccos, ended up having a really, really nice career for himself, mostly in the American League. And Piercy, as he was coming up through the Pirates system and was a minor league player of the year, was hitting a ton of home runs in AAA and everything else. And the knock against him was he could only hit mistakes. He could only hit mistakes. If baseball had a version of the NFL's infamous line about Chris Carter, the former great Minnesota wide receiver, that he could only catch touchdowns, that was the knock against him from his coach, Buddy Ryan, could only catch touchdowns. Actually, I think if if I'm trying to get the quote right, it's all all he does is catch touchdowns. Well, catching touchdowns is a pretty nice skill to have in football. And Carter ended up catching touchdowns all the way to Canton. Pierce ended up having, again, a pretty nice career for himself. So hitting mistakes is a skill. It is not something to be lightly dismissed. And that's why I wasn't exactly dumping on what the Pirates did in Cincinnati. 
But you're going to face teams that have better pitchers that won't throw anywhere near as many mistakes. And in fact, when you see how in command Carrasco was last night in New York, with the even working up in the zone the way he was, riding righties in up and tight, um, that's rare air in 2022. He was pitching well. And these guys have no counter for it. They have no weaponry for it. All they're capable of doing is hitting mistakes. So where's the line and to what degree is it blurred that the talent is there to hit? They can hit. We've seen it. But what does it take to get them to the next level? Yeah. A hitting coach. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. We'll be back with another one of these on Monday. Monday.